reading in verse 22. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage for us, and I'm going to pray, and we'll see what God's Word is saying to us. So, so if you have your Bible, please look down at it, at the words, starting in verse 22, looking down at the Bible. All right. I apologize, verse 20 now. I thought I might leave here. Verse 20. Then he went home, referring to Jesus, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Verse 27. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven. The children... Excuse me. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those who sat around him, he said, Here then are my, bro- my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and we just ask that you give us a simple clarity to it. Help us to readily apply it to our lives. I pray, God, that these middle schoolers would choose Jesus in all areas of their life. We praise in his name. Amen. Um, something that's really inevitable to life is that at some point we are going to have to choose sides for something. Now, when I say that, I think all of us at times um, know what it's like to choose sides for a number of things. So when it comes to a sports game on, and maybe the Seahawks aren't playing, and you're somewhere at someone's house and there's a game and they ask you, maybe it's like a good example, it was like the Super Bowl. And you're like, who are you rooting for? And you're kind of like, well, um, I don't know any of these two teams, but that quarterback looks kind of cute, so I guess I'll go for the Patriots. Right? If you think Tom Brady is cute. Um, here's the thing. Um, sometimes when you're playing uh, a game with your friend, and maybe we all experienced this growing up on the playground, you choose teams and you pick sides, and, and maybe sometimes you actually um, have a bad situation to pick sides on. To say you have a group of friends and there's a conflict in it, and some friends are really mad about this, and they're mad at these people about it, and this side of the group of friends is mad against these people, and you're kind of like, oh man, who do I... Who do I agree with here? And you kind of feel like you have to choose sides. Um, every four years, we vote for um, a president in our country if you're over the age of 18. And typically, it's down to like two major candidates. And what do you do? 
pick a side, you choose. And so here's the thing, guys. Every single day, in small ways and in big ways and important ways and not important ways, we choose. We make decisions. We say, this is a value to me, this is important to me, this isn't. Every single day, you are kind of showing what you believe. So by you guys all being here tonight at Wednesday Night Youth Group, now, here's the thing, I could be wrong. Your parents might have, like, said, you're going to youth group. But for you guys who come week in and week out, you're kind of making a commitment, like, this is important to me. Like, I, I want to learn more about God. You are choosing to spend your Wednesday night a certain way. And even if mom and dad kind of encourage you, there's still, when you come here, how much you engage and listen and participate, you are choosing to make something about this time. And, and I say all this because the story that we have kind of raises the same kind of question of what are we going to choose? Are we going to see Jesus for who he is and therefore then follow him as he has revealed himself? Or are we going to just kind of look at Jesus and either attribute to him things that aren't true of him or misunderstand him so much that, that we kind of try to tame Jesus down? Right? And so that, that's the big thing that, that I think this passage is asking you as a middle schooler to decide. Are you, in every single way of your life, going to choose and stand with Jesus? Now, before you answer that question, which I think a lot of us are going to be tempted to say yes right away, I'm not just really kind of speaking at the fact of like, yes, I believe in Jesus, I believe he exists, I believe he died for my sins, but I'm saying in every way are we going to choose to stand with Jesus? Because some of us, here's the thing, when we uh, disobey our parents, we're not standing with Jesus. When some of us, uh, we might look at things that we're not supposed to look at, we're not really standing with Jesus anymore. When we're mean and maybe treat people at a distance and sometimes gossip about people, that's not really standing with Jesus either. And so the question isn't so much this big question, but in every way, am I going to choose to stand with Jesus? Now, let's look at the passage. Okay, um, I, I had to start really quick at verse 22, but I set this back up and go to verse 20. So let's go ahead and look. We have three little scenarios. And what's kind of interesting, um, sometimes movies will do this, is there's a story within a story. Who here has seen the movie Inception? Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, it's a great one. They have dreams within dreams within dreams. It's kind of crazy, right? Good movie. Um, so look at verse 20. So Jesus, um, he's going home, and the crowds are so big and so large trying to follow Jesus that they could not even eat. Verse 21. And when his family heard it, his family being his mom and his brothers, they went out to seize him. And that, that word right there, to seize him, actually means like to capture him. Like that's kind of like the word being used in, in Greek. For they were saying he is out of his mind. So another way of saying that too is that he is beside himself. So his mother and his brothers hear about Jesus and what he's doing and that he is telling off Pharisees and scribes and that he's eating with sinners and tax collectors and that he's proclaiming forgiveness of sins to people. And his mother and brothers are like, you know, like imagine that they're at the market and someone's like, hey man, did you hear about your crazy brother Jesus? doing now yeah man he got into a big argument with some pharisees and he was saying some really crazy stuff they're like oh gosh not not again jesus come on man and so what happened is uh 
his mother and his brothers are like, okay, we got we to gotta calm this dude down. You know, it's funny, um, Sunday night youth group, we were listening to the song, Mary Did You Know, right, by the Pentatonics, great song, Mary Did You Know, right? And one of the leaders is like, like, I don't get this song. Of course Mary knew, because the angels told her. I was like, huh, that's actually a solid point. But here's the thing. Although Mary did have the angel come to her and tell her all these th- different things, that she was going to have a baby while still being a virgin, and, and that he was going to be, you know, the Messiah, all this great stuff, she still, at times, either forgot or didn't really understand the mission that Jesus was here for. So let me tell you, can I, can I just make a few points about this really quick? You guys ready for this? Sometimes, listen, sometimes to follow Jesus means that even your even the people closest to you are going to think you're crazy. Sometimes following Jesus and actually choosing to live with him, people are going to think you're weird. I mean, if you haven't experienced it yet, just, just know that if you are going to stay with Jesus in all ways and at all times, people are going to think you're crazy and they're going to want to stop you. Like, can I... Can I can I just share like a, a real life story for myself? Is that okay with you? Yeah. I was 21. I was 21. I've been uh, dating this, this great young lady for, for a while. I loved her. And um, I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her at, at age 21. And she was 19. And so I, I went and I bought a ring and I proposed. And I asked her to marry me. You can find this on Facebook actually, a video of me proposing. And she said yes. And so... I'd be sitting there at work, and guys were like, so you got a girlfriend? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm actually engaged. They're like, how old are you? I'm like, um, at the time, I was actually like 20. I'm 20? They're like, you're you're way too young. You're way too young to get married. I was like, well, I don't want to see it that way. And time after time, do you know what I heard? They said, dude, you just need to live with her for a year or two. Just kind of test it out, see if you guys are really compatible for each other, kind of get your own place and, you know, kind of check the engine a little bit. And then if you guys really are compatible after living together for a year or two, then maybe get married. Time and time again, I felt weird. I felt different because I was doing what God's word commanded me to do. That... Before I have any sexual fulfillment with a woman, I'm to be married. And I'm living in obedience to God. But you know what? The rest of the world, they look at me like, this dude. What? And, and, and that's where I just, I just want you guys to know that even Jesus' parents, his, his own brothers at times thought he was Crazy. Why should we expect any different? That when you're at good old TMS, Bush Middle School, or, or homeschool, wherever you are, if you, listen guys, if you make a decision to follow Jesus, some people will think it's weird, including your family at times. So, it's interesting. We don't have the resolve to that story, right? It kind of just, it says they just came and they said he's out of his mind, and then it just jumps into this other story. So, that he, so we kind of are left with some tension here. 
And so, again, we have a story, and now we have another story. And what's the story? So, verse 22, go ahead and look down at the Bible. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he cast out the demons. And he called to, to them, to him, and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? The kingdom is divided against itself. The kingdom cannot stand. So Jesus is doing miracles. And this is where it's a little different. Like the whole first part of Mark, we have seen time and time again that Jesus has authority to pronounce forgiveness of sins. He has the authority to eat whatever he wants. He has the authority to uh, heal people. He has the authority to say, I don't fast on this days or this days. I, I do what I want. And so here's the thing. I think the religious leaders at this point knew this guy's different. Of all the religious teachers we have, there is something a little fishy, but this guy can actually make a, a paralyzed, crippled dude stand up. None of us can do that. So here's the thing. They, at this point, they were, not, they were not denying that Jesus had some kind of supernatural power. Right? So like, okay, no denying the dude. He's got some really cool tricks in his bag. I, I can't deny that. But what do they do? They shifted. Well, he must get his power from who? It says Beelzebul. And that word actually means the Lord of the flies, which is a common expression back then used to refer to the devil. And so listen, they, they look at Jesus. They're suspicious of him. They don't really like him. They don't like what he's doing. But they can't deny that he has power. So therefore, he must be of Satan. They're not even willing to consider that he might be from God. No, no, no. He must be from Satan. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Are, are, I mean, I want you to know like the tone in Jesus' words by what he says is not pretty. Like, he, like, imagine Jesus saying, like, are you so dumb that you don't know? And he, and he gives him a story. How in the world can Satan cast out Satan? Like, it, it makes no sense. So um, it's like almost like if Satan wants to tear something down, he's also building something up at the same time. Why would Satan try to hurt his own kingdom, his own cause? And so it makes no sense that if Satan wants to create darkness and possess people and create um, hardship for people, that he would give that power to someone to make something better. Right? Like imagine if you're at war with someone and you were fighting them. And so imagine World War One. If you can imagine trench warfare, so imagine just like the, the horrible, horrific, you know, mustard gas, machine guns. So imagine you're fighting the enemy one day, but the next day you're going to the enemy and say, hey, by the way, um, on this day we're going to make a charge going this way and we're going to come in from the south, so make sure to defend us right there. And also we have a um, supply coming in this morning, so if you really want to get us, come and get the supply truck. But also we're going to really fight at you hard. Like, it makes no, why would you tell the enemy that you're fighting what you're going to do? And so Jesus is saying, like, how could, if I am the power of Satan, why would I go and fight against the forces of Satan? So Jesus just kind of cuts through their argument pretty quickly. And he even adds to this in verse 26, uh, excuse me, verse 27. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. So Jesus actually flips this now. And do you know what he's saying here? 
If anyone actually wants to come and steal something from your house, you first have to take care of like the security guard before you can do anything. So what Jesus actually is saying here, for anyone to actually make any head ground against Satan, they have to bind Satan first. So this is what Jesus is saying. That I am stronger and better than Satan. You think my authority comes from Satan? Like, that makes no sense, guys. You guys are crazy. Because I actually have bound up the strong man. And now, what am I doing? Jesus is bringing light into darkness. So here is where we get to this really interesting dilemma. Jesus mentions blasphemies. All right? Blasphemy is like an anything, kind of like an insult or a curse. And so sometimes you can blaspheme God. Right? You can curse God. You can curse his name. You can say really irreverent things to God. Right? And sometimes you can blaspheme a person, which again would be like insulting a person. But Jesus mentions that there is a blaspheming against the Holy Spirit that is an eternal sin. Isn't that kind of interesting? Jesus says that there is an unforgivable sin. Let's see what it is and what does it mean, right? Because the first time I ever read this or I heard about it, I was like, oh man, that one time I said, JC, when I was really mad, did I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Am I not going to be forgiven? And I thought, like, God was really mad at me. So go ahead, look at verse 28 in your Bibles. He says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. So, this is in essence what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. It is to attribute Jesus' good works and say that they are from evil. Okay? The, the unforgivable sin, this is the one unforgivable sin, is to know who Jesus is. To know that he comes in power. To, to actually believe that he exists, that he was doing good things, that he was, that he was um, giving the blind their sight, and, and to see that power to say, he's from Satan. Jesus says that person has such a hard heart they're so stubborn and so ignorant and don't want to listen that they cannot be forgiven. So there's this, this little thing on YouTube. I don't recommend that you look it up. But it was a group of atheists, and there's thousands of these videos you can look on YouTube, and they called it the Atheist Challenge. Or they called it the, the Blaspheming Challenge, right? And so what they did is they would film themselves giving a blasphemy to the Holy Spirit. Right, and they, they called it a challenge, and and they, someone, I, I watched a few of these like uh, last week, and uh, some kid said like, "Hey, uh, six months ago I was a Christian, and then I realized that this is bogus. I don't believe in this stuff." And so he even quotes this verse, Mark three twenty eight says, "Whatever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin." So here goes nothing. Not that I believe this anyways, but I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Video ends, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of videos just like that. You want to hear the irony of this? That technically, an atheist can't commit the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So even though they are very far from God, and don't get me wrong, it's still sad, it is not a good place to be, even they aren't so far from the forgiveness of God that they, if they cling to Jesus, that they can be saved and forgiven. 
But here's the thing. Blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, one, you act, you have to actually believe in Jesus. You have to believe that, that what he did was, that he was the Son of God, that he came in authority, that he did good things, but then attribute him to darkness. So an atheist who doesn't believe in God, how can you even commit the sin of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? So here's the thing. Here's what I found. Ready for this? If you're ever worried about committing an unforgivable sin, it means that you have it. Okay? If you're ever, listen, I want you guys to know this for the rest of your life. If you ever, ever, ever worry that you have done something, that you are so far past the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of God, it shows that you're not. Listen, find comfort in the words that Jesus says. Look at verse 28 again. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. Can I tell you something? None of you here in this room can ever outrun the forgiveness of God. You, can, you could sin every moment for the rest of your life and not outrun the grace of God. From as far as the east is from the west, so far has God forgiven us our sins. How far is the east from the west? It's infinite. Infinite. Yes. If you go around the world west, you never reach the west. So, um, so here's the thing, guys. Listen. We have two stories now. We have Jesus' family, and we have these religious leaders of Christ. And they're trying to gauge Jesus. They see what he's doing. And in a way, they, they've decided who he is. Some people look at Jesus and they think he's a crazy guy. That he just commands too much of people. Maybe you think he's boring. And some people look at Jesus and they say, man, okay, he's crazy good at those things, but he must be from Satan. And so here's the thing. That, that raises a question for us. What will you choose? Well, will you choose Jesus for who he is? Or are you going to choose a Jesus for only when it's convenient am I going to follow Jesus? Am I only going to follow Jesus when it kind of sounds good, like I want to go to heaven? Am I only going to follow Jesus when I have a really bad thing happen and then I kind of run to him for comfort and security? Or am I going to follow Jesus and see who he is at all times? And so the story resolves itself. Let's look down at verse 31. So again, so we kind of have this tension left up. What are we going to do with his mother trying to capture him? Verse 31, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said, Hey, Jesus, by the way, man, hey, uh, you should probably know, your mother and your brothers are outside, and they're, they're looking for you, man. It's kind of like sometimes when you guys at the end of the youth group and you guys are playing Foursquare and your parents are all mad because they had to get out of their car and walk in. And I'm like, hey, Johnny Tsunami, man, your mom's here. Like, take care of that. Like, it's kind of the same thing here. Like, hey, Jesus, man, your mom's here. What does he say? Love it. I love what he says here. And he answered them, who then even are my mother and my brothers. And looking about at those who sat around them, he said, Here then, here lie my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus helps answer the question 
of who is going to follow me, who is going to decide me. The person who does the will of God in all things, that is the person who chooses me. Listen, I want you guys to know something. If you're from a Christian home, praise the Lord for that. And a lot of times God will use Christian parents to help us see who Christ is and follow him and know him and, and learn to trust him. Well, this is what Jesus is trying to say here. He's, th- this is not an excuse to go home when your mom says, hey, uh, Phoebe, I want you to do the dishes. Who then even is my mother? Right? Not a good excuse to use this passage for that. But what is Jesus trying to communicate here? Listen, you guys ready? That your allegiance is first to Jesus and no one else. That doesn't mean that we look at rules of authority and say, you know, who then even are you? But listen, Jesus uses authority sometimes for us, but Jesus wants you guys to know that sometimes even your own family, even your closest friends, listen, even the people in your room, in this room, excuse me, at times will think you're a little weird, will attribute things to you that just aren't true, and they'll want to stop you. But as a middle schooler, let me ask you a question. How conscious are you of choosing Jesus and following him? Why? So why even choose Jesus, huh? Is that a good question? Why, why, why is a middle schooler, why is it to your best interest that you say, I'm going to follow Jesus in every way? Let me just tell you a few. Can I just be honest with you guys for a second? The world you live in, there is so many pressures. You have pressures from your friends, from culture, from your teachers, from your parents, telling you that you should look this way, that you should have these kind of clothes, that you should do these kind of things with your time, that you should... I mean, we have so much pressure to perform and to get good grades and to have your hair look like this and to have this kind of video. There's so much pressure always telling us what to look like, what to do, what to be. And you guys want to know the greatest thing about Jesus? He says, come as you are. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. You see, guys, let me tell you something. In the gospel, in, in being forgiven by God and looking to Jesus for, for perfect righteousness, here's what we find. We find rest. That God says, exactly as you are, I love you. So God doesn't place any expectation on us other than that we simply believe. We simply believe. And that's why Jesus says, listen, I have no room, no time for people who want to limit me, for people who misunderstand me, for people who don't want to walk with me daily. I don't, even my mom, who is my mom? If she won't understand who I am, the people who I am going to associate with are those who do the will of God. And Jesus says it plainly for us. Those who are for me, do the will of God. And let me tell you something. At times, people will think you're weird for it. At times in your middle school, people are going to make fun of you, maybe. Or at the very least, not want to be your friend. But what's at stake by not choosing Jesus? 
a life of toil, a life of struggle, a life of discontentment. But in Jesus, what do we find? We find rest. Because he says to every single one of you, just as you are, I love you and I know you. And that should be enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask, Lord, that you give us the courage, the faith to love you well. That we choose you in all things, Jesus. That, that we would recognize that even though at times people may um, ridicule us or make fun of us or treat us different because of following you, that we would know that in Jesus there is rest for our weary souls. Thank you, Lord, for this youth group. I just pray that you bring us all back next week to learn more about our blessed Savior, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.